Hi, this is Katie Padretti from Ruth Eckerd Hall, and you're listening to Rock at Night. Katie, welcome to Rock at Night. Uh, This is part of our behind the scenes series where we talk to people in the music industry uh, that really are the backbone of the industry, people that work behind the scene and make it all happen. Uh, You work at Ruth Eckert Hall, which is in Clearwater, Florida, and it's probably, I have to be prejudiced, my favorite venue (laughs) that I've been covering. The acoustics are wonderful. But Um, I've been wondering about what exactly you do behind the scene. What does it take to uh, create a concert and you deal with musicians and celebrities? What do you do on your everyday basis? First, let me just say that I'm prejudiced too, and this is also my favorite venue. Um, I've been with Ruth Eckert Hall since 2008, and I'm responsible for all of the PR. I set up interviews with artists. I work with all the media, television, radio, and print to secure the interviews with the artists that are coming to not only Ruth Eckert Hall, but the Bellheimer Capitol Theater, also in downtown Clearwater. So in a nutshell, that's what I do. I also handle all the PR for any of our Um, newsworthy events that happened. For example, when we completed the renovation of the lobby area of Ruth Eckerd Hall or when we get um, a promotion of an executive or something like that. So that's in a nutshell what I do here at the hall. So typically you deal with publicists, the media, because you're basically getting the word out, doing marketing. Uh, When the events happen, let's say there's a concert here, do you deal with the meet and greets? Do you deal with the actual artist? Typically, when we have an artist that comes into the building and we do a meet and greet, either with our members or donors, fan clubs, perhaps contest winners, I'll work with the artist management, uh, the tour manager that's here in the building for the event, for the concert, and then, of course, interact with the artist, making sure they get to the right space to meet the uh, to meet the fans, get their pictures taken and, and things like that. So I do work with the artist directly. Sometimes setting up interviews, I've worked directly with the artist as well, called the artist. It's easy, uh, just pick up the phone and call him and ask him if he's available to do something. With. But other times you're dealing with a publicist, perhaps in New York or LA, maybe even Nashville, to set something up. Um, according to the artist's schedule. Dealing with artists is interesting because we put rock stars or musicians up on a pedestal. Is it intimidating just talking on the phone? I I don't know. I think that it has to do with my experiences of dealing with artists for more than 40 years. I can name one or two artists where it was very... It, not intimidating, but awestruck 
to be in the same room with them or to be in their presence. I remember the very first time Bob Dylan played here at the hall. I literally texted someone and said, I'm standing 40 feet from Bob Dylan. Like, how does that happen, right? But uh, there are a couple of artists that over the years you admire and have loved their music so much that when you're actually standing next to them, it's a very surreal moment. But you just keep the professional face on and and do what you got to do and um, kind of giggle about the whole thing after it's all over with. When the artists come, uh, do they have special requests? I know there's always uh, that thing that someone wants, let's say a certain brand of M&Ms in the room or whatever. I don't know if it's in the contract. Uh, are, how do you handle that here or what are some examples? Thankfully, we have an awesome catering department and a wonderful uh, technical and production staff and uh, they handle all of those requests. I am not privy to anything extraordinary that uh, I've heard and I've never seen anything crazy backstage. Uh, but I know that uh, our catering department, our food and beverage department and our technical staff always take good care of our artists when they're here in the building. Now your career goes back, you said, uh, decades. <laughs> and I remember we've spoken before that you're you're from California and you worked in the early days in radio with K-Rock. Uh, tell me how you got into that. So that's uh, one of those just weird stories. I was out of high school going to college uh, to become an attorney and I was working at an ad agency. And back in those days, the olden days, the uh, sales reps would come by every week to pick up their radio commercials for their stations, for our clients. And there was one person, his name was Jeff Freeman. He was a sales manager at K-Rock. And um, he told me I needed to come work at the station. He interviewed me and I got the job. So I started working at K-Rock in 1980. Um, Rick Carroll was our PD back then. Wonderful, incredible guy. Taught me so much about radio. And so I was there for a couple of years and um, was a sales assistant, did promotions, helped with payroll, whatever needed to get done. That's what I, what I did there. It was a great couple of years. Working in the 80s, I think of MTV and big hair bands and uh, Valley Girls. Any interesting stories? I mean, you were right in the midst of all of that. I think... When I look back on those years working at K-Rock, this is right before MTV hits, just right before. Um, but what I remember the most is that we were the renegade radio station in L.A. We were not a corporate radio station like KMET. It was owned by Metro Media. We were, um, there were some situations with the FCC, which is another story for another time. But we were playing these unknown obscure artists like Duran Duran and Elvis Costello and Blondie and this was so outside the norm at the time of what radio stations were playing that it was completely new and different and um, so we were always looked upon sort of like the you know the bad kids in school which was a great badge of honor to wear. <laughs> 
the mythical valley girl since you lived over there is that for real she is not a myth <laughs> were you one I would I would say I was a valley girl until um, I discovered um, Devo. Then everything changed. My whole world changed after that. So, not so much. But yes, there were there were a few of them running around in my day. So you were a total new waver back then. Um, what were some of your favorite bands then? And do you still listen to a lot of '80s music now? Um, the 80s channel and the um, New Wave channel on Sirius are definitely my two favorite stations, although I like the 60s station too. But so back then, um, of course, you know, David Bowie and um, Iggy Pop and, and like I said, Devo. And, but my favorite band when I was a kid was the Tubes. Absolutely loved this band I've seen them 90 times one of the you know you talk about how you are kind of awestruck the tubes did a show at the Capitol a couple of years ago and I could not even talk to Fee Waybill I could I could barely look at the guy because I couldn't believe after all these years that was a surreal moment anyway so the tubes are definitely still one of my most favorite bands um but, you know, Blondie and, and um, the Sex Pistols, all of that music was my favorite. Favorite and still is to this day. Love it. Actually, our June issue, the theme is glam rock and the tubes is right there in the gold glam rock thing. <laughs> and, uh, you know, we're trying to find bands today that are into glam rock. I mean, there's the Struts. I have found a few. You deal with a lot of bands. Can you think of any glam rockers today? And also, glam rock, is it all about just the look, the fashion, or what is glam rock to you? Well, it's been so long since I've thought about it that I, I have to think about it, but it's the whole package, isn't it? It's, it's like the Sex Pistols and the Ramones. Maybe they only played four chords in every song, in every song, but it was the whole thing about them, everything they represented and thought of and all of that. But the glam rock, I think, was because I used to dress like that when I was in school, you know, the platform shoes and the hats and, and all of that. So it was just the whole lifestyle, as well as the music and, and everything about it. I can't really say that I, would, I wouldn't even know if there was such a movement like that now. I mean, I'm 61. I'm not exactly, you know, hooting and hollering on the weekends with that stuff, but I, it was, it was everything. It was the whole package about it. That was what was so great about it because it made you so unique from all the other kids in school, right? They, the other kids, they were into Fleetwood Mac and the Eagles and things like that. And that was not what we were into at all. About as mainstream as we got, I think might've been like Rod Stewart at the time, right? But that was about it. So you're a girl with my heart because it's the same stuff that I used to listen to. Edgy stuff, edgy stuff for sure. Now you've been in radio for a number of years and of course radio advertising, that's how 
the bills get paid through the years the whole industry has changed i mean now we have the internet we have spotify we have you know um what are some of the changes that you've seen and how is it challenging now well i think so what happens is in 82 i go work for a record company and i was just thinking about this the other day how much the record business changed from when I started in 82 to when I left in 2006. And I still have friends that are in the record business. And when I speak with them, how different everything is these days because of streaming, Spotify, all of that. Um, Our report card every week was how many radio stations were playing our records and how many albums we sold, right? Not CDs, albums. So that's all completely changed now. And it is, it truly is in a moment. And you don't have to be on a major label anymore. You can make your own record and get it out there and you don't have to be signed to a major. Now there are benefits to being signed to a major label, of course. The marketing and all of the backbone that they're gonna give you, but there's also benefits. You can just get it out and go do it yourself, right? So that, it has changed dramatically. It's nothing at all like what, and when I started in 82, it was different from what it was like in the 70s and in the 60s. So it's always evolved and changed, but it is completely, completely different now. One of the things that saved the record business was the creation of the CD, because then everybody went out and bought their albums and put them on a CD. I always find it so ironic when I read stories about how album sales are coming back because people are, they want to hear all those tones and inflections on an album now that you don't get with a, with a CD. That brings me to the topic of COVID. <laughs> In the last year, of course, we've all been suffering with uh, lockdowns or limited um, access to the outside world. I know in December you did a few concerts here and you've been doing socially distanced ones and I understand there's a special air conditioning system. Can you talk about some of the things that Ruth Eckerd Hall has done to help with the situation? So we started doing socially distanced concerts in June in our uh, Kate Tiedemann and Ellen Cotton Cabaret Theater here at Ruth Eckerd Hall. So those were four top tables, six feet apart, you had to buy a table, and we had everyone from, you know, Greg Billings, Robin Zander, Chick Corea, bless his heart, did some shows for us. Um, so we, st- we were doing those in June. As you mentioned, in December, we started doing some concerts, and in one week, we had Jeff Tate, Big Bad Voodoo Daddy, Travis Tritt, and 38 Special in one week. Those were all uh, at 50% capacity here at the hall, and they went off very, very well. People were excited and enthusiastic, and um, it, it went great. What we have done during this time is we have put in, as you mentioned, a new HVAC system that cleans the air, clears it up for us, So that's the first thing we've done. We also have um, our operations, environmental operations guys. They go in and spray the seats before and after every show because that cleans them up. Then we have this Zonar technology, which is such an interesting thing because I want to say two years ago, 
we were approached by this company. They're out of Largo. They were coming up with this new AI technology so that when you walk through the system, they can see weapons and things that aren't appropriate to bring into shows. It also takes your temperature. So we started working with them two years ago. And then when all of this happened, we were able to um, secure the machines, which you'll see here at Ruth Eckert Hall and over at the Billheimer. And when you walk through them, it automatically takes your temperature. So we're not touching you, you're not touching us, and you get your temperature taken. So that's what's been great. We ask that you wear a mask while you're here uh, watching the show. Everybody gets it. The only time they don't wear their mask is when they're having a cocktail or a drink or something like that, which of course we understand. So it's worked out great. We're doing shows at 50% here and at the Capitol, and it's, it's working out great. We're really, really thrilled that it's all starting to come back. Through the years, I'm sure there's been challenges and uh, there's been ups and downs and good times and bad times. If you look inward and if you look inward at yourself, what are some attributes that you think you have that have really helped you through some of the challenging times? And because this job is not for everybody, some people maybe can't handle it, you know? So I know this is hard talking about yourself, but <laughs> let's talk about it. Yeah, this is, this is hard. I'm glad you, I'm glad those of you listening and reading can't see my face right now because I'm, I think, I think more than anything, I just feel so lucky. I, I mean, I am a kid from Burbank, California, who all I knew is I wanted to be in the music business. I get a little like emotional about this, right? But um, all I knew is I wanted to be in the music business. I didn't know how, can't sing, can't dance, cannot act, but I knew I just, and when you think about it, 40 years ago, there weren't a lot of women in the business. It was mostly guys, which, you know, thinking about it, my mentors were all men. God bless them for taking me under their wing. But I am just so lucky. And I have never, ever forgotten that. I am, I mean, think, I get paid to do what I do. That's crazy. It's crazy. Part of it is, it's all about relationships, right? It's, it's asking somebody to do something that maybe they don't really want to do. Maybe you really don't want to do that interview, but my show's struggling, so I really need you to do it. And maybe you hate talking to the press, but we got to do this. So just do it. I promise it'll be simple and easy and you, you'll, you'll get through it. So I think that's really what it's about is just always keeping my word. And if I can't keep my word, I've always owned up to that too. So I think that's, I think that's what it is. Thank you so much for speaking with Rock to Rocket Night. I really appreciate it. And um, I've worked with you for a while. You're totally professional. And everybody I have spoken to in the industry, when I say your name, it's like, oh, I love Katie. I love Katie. And I think the attribute that I see would be determination, reliability, credibility, and authentic. 
Thank you for being with us. You're listening to Rock at Night. The introductory song, Get On Down, is from blues artist Billy, Billy Bass Alford. Look for his music at ReverbNation.com.